0: Hey, it's Alexandria Schrake here and welcome to Engage, a global energy show podcast where we tell the stories behind the business of all things energy. A big welcome to our audience. Today I'll be chatting about enabling Indigenous economic independence, low emitting opportunities in partnership with Indigenous communities, and the nuts and bolts of how it all fits together. I'm so pleased to introduce Mr. Guy Lonechild. He is the chief executive officer of the First Nations Power Authority. Good morning, Guy. How you doing today?
1: Oh, I just finished a just finished an orientation meeting with uh, Ontario Power Generation. I applied to be on the board for the new Nuclear Review Board. My area is, is Indigenous relations. They admittedly need some help on how to engage with uh, Indigenous communities, which is no no surprise, really.
0: Congrats on the position.
1: It's a nice feeling when your skill sets are required and. and I used to be a politician, right? And so it's, it, it's probably a good 10 to 15 to 20 years of, of work that we're finally in utilities and large companies are, are valuing Indigenous voices. And So that's, that's pretty gratifying. So I think that's what gets me up in the morning. Uh, did my little workout this morning. I was quite, you know, just, just ready for this day. So I knew it was going to be a fantastic day.
0: A fantastic day indeed. So, in addition to your role as the Chief Executive Officer of the First Nations Power Authority, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Well, I'm Guy Longzau. I come from the Treaty 4 territory in Southeast Saskatchewan and a proud solo and free ancestor.
0: Well, welcome to the show. What is the First Nations Power Authority, and what is your vision for the organization?
1: We got our start in 2011. Uh, First Nations Power Authority is a non-profit corporation Ultimately, we see uh, a need to kind of bridge the gap in the knowledge and the capacity for Indigenous uh, renewable energy projects to, to get off the ground and to reach commercialization. And, and so uh, some, some of the um, important aspects of what we do can be, and, and lessons learned, can be uh, taken to other parts of the country. So I'm, I'm hoping that FNPA um, really expands beyond the career. You know, right now we have offices in Calgary, in Saskatoon, and in Regina. Um, we see that there's an opportunity to bridge into places like Ontario and New Brunswick, where we can do some some work with uh, with provincial utilities in, 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 those, in those provinces.
0: Then what's the impetus for the FMPA to expand into, say, all provinces and territories?
1: How are we as a country going to be able to achieve net zero uh, by 2050, or even or even exceed or meet that requirement? 2050, and it's, it's really going to be an all hands on deck effort. Indigenous communities cannot be left behind in the conversation, but we have to be part of the, the drivers of change and, and transformation.
0: What do one of these projects mean to a community? And, like, do you have an example maybe you could share?
1: The most recent example um, we, we've, we've gone down this path of, of, of uh, procuring 20 megawatts of solar uh, power to Saskatchewan Power Grid. Uh, we started civil works uh, last week in terms of uh, the construction aspects, uh, procuring uh, long lead electrical uh, panels, of course, uh, inverters, and um, but we we think that um, walking down this journey with um, some of our project proponents, such as Starlight Cree Nation, for example, uh, I'll use them as as the prime example. They don't they often don't get the, the kudos they deserve. Are, are developing the, you know, quickly developing the capacity to not just develop and build their own 10 megawatt solar project, but they're also uh, ramping up capacity through their engineering joint venture they have with, uh, with ONIC. And uh, they've developed a joint venture group that will, will eventually expand into the United States. Uh, I was pleased to hear last week that they will be hiring up to 200 people for three separate projects. So you can see that there is real opportunity, uh, tangible benefits to being able to not just be Indigenous-led, but to build your own projects.
0: So I'm hearing that the FNPA was a launch point to, say, build capacity within the Star Blanket Cree Nation Economic Development Corp, and then build relationships and connections, and now their ECDEV is off to the races. So what about Indigenous communities that are, say, new to renewable energy project development? What's the first step?
1: I, I would say large emitters in Canada provide that, that joint the responsibilities to reduce emissions. And so First Nations could bring forward project ideas, uh, whether that be renewable energy generation or other types of uh, employment opportunities with those companies, or or maybe their stewardship and environmental uh, initiatives that, that they see uh, might help to uh, reduce emissions.
0: Anything else about the FNPA that you wanted to share?
1: I'm hoping that First Nations... Uh, recognize that that we are uh their choice uh to pick up the phone and 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 if if they want to pursue uh renewable energy for their own communities or their their own home um we've got a number of, of people that are very capable of uh, providing the services they require on a community level we we take pride that uh community energy planning is, is an important building block to uh, ensuring that energy future is uh Is realized Uh, and and so any of the uh, work that we've done uh, always leads to hopefully a new opportunity for a conversation around wind technologies, around solar and battery storage, uh, biomass development, uh, whether that's smaller or medium sized uh, projects that uh, could help to provide grid stability and very uh, hard to reach and sometimes uh, compromising uh parts of the province where there's uh there's power outages uh and so i I think we hope to provide some solutions around distributed energy resources that really make sense we're courageous souls. we're we're hoping to provide solutions for for these communities and we're we're here to serve great
0: we touched briefly on opportunities to collaborate with heavy emitters what about other sectors
1: There's, there's so many ways that first nations can participate in a sector by sector, the transportation sector is a major uh, contributor to emissions in the country. Uh, maybe we start taking a look at electric buses, partnerships with uh, with General Motors. We hope FNPA is a major part of you know bringing together those those partnerships.
0: I like that you're dreaming big. Do you know if GM has an indigenous engagement strategy?
1: We, we just we just part- I just participated on. Uh, the, the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Last week, we think that uh, that General Motors would be would be very interested in providing further dialogue in how to move people from city to city. You know, Rayhound Service and Saskatchewan Transportation companies no longer. Maybe it's a bit of the private sector's you know having the foresight to be able to say, okay, First Nations are going to be five million people in this country one day. Right now, uh, we're around one you know one point seven million people. Um, it's the fastest-growing segment in, in Canadian society right now. There's a large uh, uh, Indigenous youth population, so we really need to be doing much more.
0: With respect to transportation within and in between Indigenous communities, what do you think that future looks like?
1: Electric vehicles have to be have to be uh, affordable for longer distances, like here in the prairies, where we have to drive most often longer than two hours. Uh, that, that has to be in place. Electrification and supercharging stations, those, those need to, uh, to be put in place. The federal government needs to be able to ensure that there are incentives for electrification electric cars. Provincial governments also can be penalizing. So you'll have some uh, provinces that are very uh, progressive in that regard, like British Columbia.
0: You have the early provincial adopters of electric car-friendly policy, and then maybe perhaps provinces that have different priorities. What I think is most interesting is that treaty boundaries don't follow provincial lines. So you might have communities with highly variable electrification adoption rates based on the varying provincial policy, but within the same federal purview, which is the treaty. So what do you think is going to power this electrification?
1: The federal government needs to make it Fairly clear that there is a national strategy around elect- electrification. I'm not sure that there, there is at this, at this point. I, I think we're still feeling our way in terms of uh, what it's going to require for, for us to get there. And, and so, so as, as we know, federal intervention is probably one of the strongest ways to ensure that we get to a certain point. Um, the introduction of a carbon tax was one impetus uh, for us to put out on this path. And so just think about it every year for the next number of years up until 2050, we're going to see 2030, we're going to see um, we're going to see an increase in the carbon tax year after year. And so it's going to be less, even less affordable. And, and so there's going to be more um, incentives, I think, from a consumer side of things to be able to to make that switch. And then, and then and then, utilities such as Saskatchewan Power Corporation, who has a monopoly, they, they have to be able to be uh, on board. Uh, probably the same with Alberta. Forward-thinking, visionary, and innovative partnerships is what's going to be required, along with federal uh, intervention.
0: Do you see a role for natural gas in the energy mix of the future?
1: I certainly do. I think natural gas is a bridge to other greater lower emissions technologies. And so renewables and natural gas you know, potentially create opportunities to, to integrate hydrogen into that conversation. The bridge that we require right now is that we, we do need base power. Natural gas just seems to be that cheap source of power that we can afford out of our pocketbooks because really that's what it boils down to is we want to ensure that you know a large part of our household income isn't going to pay the power bills we see what's happening south of the border in Texas when weather and catastrophes happen. Climate change is real, uh, but we certainly do need to ensure that people are kept safe in their homes, safe in their communities, and are able to contribute—not just to sustaining their own livelihood, but you know, contributing and making sure that we're moving country forward. Uh, and so, natural gas just happens to be in an abundance of, of the resource that we do have in West Canada, and so it's a bridging fuel is how I would term it. Uh, i bridging fuel to a, a cleaner future where uh, we're not relying on coal anymore, which is, which is a relief. Quickly in Saskatchewan, hoping to phase coal out, you no know, natural gas just seems to be that cleaner alternative.
0: The FNPA has been in operation for 10 years, offering community energy planning, enabling renewable project development, as well as building internal capacity in communities. So how did the FNPA build trust across so many different communities?
1: No, it, it, it's understanding our relationships and, and how we fit into those relationships. And, and the way we got our start with Saskatchewan Power Corporation, they, they had a need. They, they had a need to, to reach out to the Indigenous community more than they, they have in the past. The conversation around you know, not just being a consumer, but a, becoming a provider of low-cost uh, renewable energy technologies to the Saskatchewan Power Grid is something that we all need and desire. There's, there's a need to lower emissions from the large utilities like OPG, uh, like um, uh, Saskatchewan Power, and others uh, right across the country. I guess FNPA is, is positioning itself to be that trusted provider or that source of information to get renewable energy projects uh, off the ground and ensure that they're indigenous. Lives. That's a unique position to be in because for too long, um, you know, we've either been forgotten. Indigenous communities have either been just uh, uh, ignored in in the whole conversation, and and that can't happen longer. We've got to have Indigenous communities apart and included in in this national conversation around emissions. I I think we're on that path to building that trust. It's about creating that safe space for dialogue to happen, rather than utilities uh, dominating the conversation.
0: Enabling power purchase agreements between communities and large utilities in a distributed fashion is a really different approach than what we are used to seeing from large mega facilities like hydro or large natural gas plants. Thanks for sharing your insight into the successes of Indigenous-led participation within the power sector. And then, I mean, it sounds like there's many opportunities yet to come.
1: Well, I'm just so pleased that uh, that I was able to participate uh, this morning, Alexandria. uh... It's just inspiring, and and to and to know that we're we're doing our very best to position First Nations and Indigenous communities right across the country for a, for a more sustainable future for themselves, and then they're driving some of these conversations. Uh, they're helping to lead the way for large utilities across the country, and FNP. Um, you know, hopefully, there's many, many many more successes right across the country. As I see. Many announcements, almost on a weekly basis now, of renewable energy projects that are turning that are on uh, the, the power to their, to their communities or supplying power to their communities uh, and or supplying power to the grid.
0: Great. Thank you, Guy. Lots to come then from your organization, the FNPA. Huge thank you for being on our show and to our audience and for tuning in to the Global Energy Show Engage podcast. Check us out at globalenergyshow.com for information about our conference and exhibition taking place in Calgary in September 2021. If you liked today's show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.